feel like for the first time I got to like explore like different ways to be. Welcome back to Speaking Queerly, a podcast by Kaleidoscope Youth Center, an LGBTQ organization based out of Columbus, Ohio. My name's Lane, I use they, them pronouns, and I'm the Community Education and Research Manager here at KYC. And I'm Mallory, I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the Civic Engagement and Advocacy Manager here at KYC. And I'm Jess. I'm a volunteer here at KYC. Awesome. Well, welcome, Jess. Um, our previous episode, we had on our volunteer, Chris, um, in honor of April being Volunteer Appreciation Month. It may be May now for those of you who are checking your calendar diligently, as I am. <laughs> but we appreciate our volunteers year-round. So we wanted to have Jess just to talk a little bit more about your experience um, volunteering at KYC and just to give people a different perspective of like all the things you could do as a volunteer here. Yeah. So um, before we jump into all of that, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are, your name, pronouns, what brought you here to KYC, whatever you want to share. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm Jess. I use she and her pronouns most of the time. Um, I've been volunteering at KYC probably, I think, since last June, so almost a year. Wow. Which is kind of exciting. Yeah. I didn't realize. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anniversary. Thanks. Um, let's see. Things about me. I... Rock climb is one thing. Um, I play guitar. Um, until recently, I was a research administrator at Ohio State, and I'm Ooh. currently doing some self-employment business consulting. Um, and obviously, I am a trans woman, and mm -hmm. uh, really enjoy getting a chance to like work with the youth here and like support young trans people going through stuff that I went through when I was their age. So that's cool. awesome. And we're going to dive into a lot of that, like yeah. the things you just shared. Um, in the episode. But first, as you know, as somebody who volunteers in our drop-in center, you know that we start off each day with our check-in. So we say our name, pronouns, and, um, you know, highlight, low light, and then an add-on question. So I, this is the first time I've ever met you, but Lane fortunately mm. has met you before. <laughs> they, shared some, they shared some insight as I was trying to come up with an add-on question. They said you like to rock climb. And first off, I want to know more about that. Before we get into this, I want to know like your experience. Rock okay. Climbing. <laughs> How much do you want to know? Because uh, we can talk about rock climbing. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, first, I just want to hear about it because like I know you've climbed before, Lane. Mm -hmm. I know I'm terrified of heights, so I just want to like <laughs> live vicariously through you for just one moment before I get into this question. So funny. Um, the first thing is that uh, one of the things that the youth will like ask sometimes during drop-in hours is like, do a lot of things like change when you come out as trans? And like to my knowledge, the only thing about me that's changed is like I like to rock climb now. So. <laughs> really? That's do, you, funny. do you think there's a correlation, or is that just a coincidence? Oh no, it's a hundred percent. Like they're connected. <laughs> there is a really large like queer climbing community mm -hmm. in Columbus, which is incredible. Yeah. Because um, like the outdoors is like I feel like when you think about it, typically like this like burly like shirtless man like in the woods like just him in nature but no it's the super an inclusive sport um mm -hmm. and super fun um and also like way harder than I would have oh anticipated. yeah really yeah so I've been doing it for about two years and um I feel like I still like can't do it entirely like on my own like I need um People with like extra gear helping me out mm -hmm. um, and people who are like better at climbing to like set routes for me but mm -hmm. um, I guess I can like describe 
kind of what it looks like if you've never rock climbed before. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. No, I generally stay away from anything that's above, like, one foot off the ground. Totally. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I rock climb outdoors is what... Oh, wow. So uh, you're not just, like, editing. That's hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> I think my heart just dropped a little bit. <laughs> it's so fun. If you like to hike, I feel like you would you would get along with rock climbing. You don't even, like, notice the heights. Mm. Okay. It's bold of you to assume. <laughs> so, yeah, t- tell us more. So, like, you, you climb outdoors, and, like, what is that experience like? Um, so it's nice to, like, be in a space kind of connected with nature. I don't know. I feel like my, my brain is, like, clean when I'm climbing. Yes. Um, but basically what you do is there are, like, areas throughout, like, Ohio and West Virginia and Pennsylvania where better climbers than me have drilled fixed bolts into these like really tall vertical walls. And you go out with a rope and some carabiners and some helmets and harnesses and friends. And uh, you put on these funny little shoes. And and then you climb 50, 100 feet in the air. um, And then you rappel back down. So (laughs) it's the repelling that gets me because I think I could climb up, but then when it's like, okay, you just have to like trust that this rope is going to hang on to you. You know what I mean? And that these like things that people drilled into this rock, (laughs) (laughs) like, ah, wait. So just, does that mean that you're doing lead climbing? Yes. Okay. I just want to emphasize to everybody that this is like really hard and dangerous <laughs> climbing because as you're climbing you have to take your rope up and clip into the next part so like for a minute there there's going to be a moment where you're not clipped into the next carabiner and you could fall and really hurt yourself <laughs> that's right i had no idea lane when you said the jess likes to rock climb i was picturing you at like the climbing gyms here in columbus and i was like that's cool like you know it could be a casual or like extreme thing but you like Climb, climb. That's amazing. Thank I, you. You're going to be in one of those documentaries one day. God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read a book fairly recently called The Impossible Climb, and it's about the first person to free solo climb El Capitan out mm. west. Mm. And I don't remember That's the Alex name. Hall. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah I've seen I, that I one. I to be able to remember. <laughs> and reading that book, like some of the things that he described in there, or that was described that he experienced, like like you said, like drilling the holes into rocks, figuring out the best like places to hold on to the mm-hmm. rocks and whatever. Oh my gosh. Like the, <laughs> the, the, the courage that that takes, you know, or like the lack of fear, I right. guess more so than courage that your brain is just built different. I don't know. <laughs> well, his brain specifically yes, is built brain differently. Is. Yes, right. yes. I would venture to say that yours is built differently than mine. <laughs> but anyway, this leads perfectly into my add-on question. This is a long lead into the add-on <laughs> question. But I want to know, if you had to choose, would you free solo climb the face of a mountain? I don't care which mountain. could be like some little hill in the Appalachian Mountains. I don't know. Or would you skydive? So skydiving scares me so much uh, because you're not holding anything, right? You're just Mm -hmm. like waiting. I would absolutely free solo. And I've actually, so it's not free soloing. It's a little different. It's called deep water solo. Um, But it's where you climb unprotected, unroped over like 40 or 50 foot deep water. So that if you fall, you do fall the whole way unprotected, but then you just go into a lake. And I have done that. Interesting. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
that's wild. I'm like over here like, okay, I have this like false sense of security when I'm over top of water. Mm-hmm. See, I was really hoping that this would be an episode that swimming wouldn't get brought up, but here we are again. <laughs> You're just going to find a way to work it into everything. <laughs> I um, feel a little bit of a false sense of security, but when you're falling from that tall, it still hurts. Yeah. Yeah. You can, like, hurt yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Wild. People don't really realize how hard water is. Yeah. So there's, like, a specific way that you have to fall to avoid injuring yourself, Mm. which I have almost always done. Um, (laughs) So it is is dangerous. I'm not, like, endorsing deep water solo. It's actually illegal in several states. Can't do like <laughs> that, that that yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you don't have to reveal where you did it. I would right. Never. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lane, how about you? Where would you would you rather skydive or would you rather free solo climb? I'm gonna choose skydiving because I do not have the finger strength or the mm. technical skills to go put myself on a rock with nothing to catch me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> I think that I would choose skydiving too. Like if absolutely like this is a life or death situation, I had to pick one or the other, I would choose skydiving just because I think theoretically at that point the height doesn't even seem real. Like it's more of like in theory. Like I know I'm so high off the ground, but like you can't even really see the ground in the same way. So like <laughs> but I will tell a funny story. It's somebody who we swim with was telling me the story of like he had the same kind of concept and he wanted to go skydiving and so we went skydiving ended up fainting <gasps> mid-air because he was so freaked out by the experience oh and then his wife who's now his ex-wife is like skydiving behind him he gets to the ground before she does and he's like still fainted and they're trying to like revive him on the ground his wife meanwhile is coming down behind him thinks that he's like you know that he died or that he crashed oh. because she couldn't see i was laughing because i was like the absurdity of the situation but i'm like can you imagine being her and being like oh my gosh like what what happened yeah <laughs> Okay. All, all that to say, I would do neither. But if I, but if I had That's to pick, so <laughs> if I had to pick uh, skydiving, it would probably be my choice. I am like uh, terrified for both of you. Oh my god, I'm so scared of heights. So the fact that you're both so comfortable with skydiving, ugh. <laughs> I, I, I think your definition of what. Well, Comfortable skydiving is a very generous use of the word comfortable. Sure. (laughs) I actually, in college, I was going through a rough patch, and I was looking at skydiving options in Iowa, and I found that there was, like, a skydiving company that you could go up and jump for, like, $60. 60. Right. And so then I was like, well, I should probably take a look at the reviews. Right. And, like, the reviews were glowing. There were no issues. But luckily, I think I was like, you know what? Maybe I should solve my problems on the ground. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So maybe, I've come very close. Yeah. Maybe it just gives you a literal new perspective on things, right? right. To look at it from a 10,000-foot view. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one one other thing before we get into some of the other questions. Um, you mentioned that the queer climbing community here is pretty strong. Could you tell folks like how they can get involved mm-hmm. if that's something that they're interested in? Absolutely. So actually a couple of my friends uh, have started like a nonprofit organization that organizes social climbs and hikes and things for queer people. Uh, it's called Queer Climbing Columbus and it's a really great community. So if folks want to get involved, it's on Instagram. Um, it's on Facebook, I think, and it's just uh, Queer Climbing Columbus. Amazing. And I can vouch for this group. I've gone a few times um, as like a, a newcomer in Columbus, and they've been so welcoming, and um, they have even had like sensory um, nights. So if you're neurodivergent and struggle with certain um, sensory inputs and things like that, like they have opportunities that are more accessible too. Oh, wow. 
Hmm. That's cool. Very cool. I wish that I could get involved, but <laughs> I don't know if I trust myself. Maybe, maybe one of these days you guys can drag me out. Um, so I want to know a little bit more about you as a kid, right? We serve. <laughs> no. right, now we're getting into the stuff, right? Jump um, right in there, Mel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, tell, tell, tell me everything. Uh, what day were you born? No. Um, and, and you can interpret kid like very broadly. You could talk about when you were like 17. You could talk about when you were seven. I don't care. But I want to sure. know about you as a young person and maybe like how that inspires like the work you do here at KYC. Yeah, go ahead. Bear your soul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is such a hard question. Um, I was, I was a weird kid, uh, <laughs> which I think maybe a lot of trans people can relate to. I, <laughs> um, because stuff that I was like supposed to enjoy was like difficult for me. I feel like I didn't get along with a lot of like boys my age or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, but I also really liked like playing baseball and like soccer and I really liked um, like putting together like field hockey games with my friends and things mm -hmm. like that. So I was like a little bit of a tomboy, mm -hmm. um, which made it like kind of hard to like express like what I was feeling mm -hmm. about like transness, right? Mm -hmm. um, so... Um, I was also like good at school. I, that feels like weird to say because I'm an adult and it doesn't matter. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I mean, like when you're when you're a young person, that's like something that's like huge, right? You know, yeah. you're somebody who gets good grades. You're athletic, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, all things considered, I feel like it seemed like you had the total package. Right? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it would have been nice. I, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it was, I mean, difficult to like get involved in sports when I wasn't out. Right. Mm -hmm. When I was like, I feel like there's like a different culture in like young men's sports, oh, young mm -hmm. women's sports. Um, it was like really uncomfortable for me. Um, so I kind of shied away from that and just focused on school stuff. And then in high school, um, I got involved in theater, which was, just like life changing for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. What, ch what changed in theater? Did you, I mean, it makes sense to me that you might have like the ability to explore gender expression and things like that. Mm -hmm. Is that where it was yeah. life changing? <laughs> I remember the first time I was like in a dressing room and someone showed me like a bag of Mary Kay cosmetics and my <laughs> eyes lit up. I was like, you can just do that? <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you were involved in theater then did you like were you on stage were you in part of the crew like what was your role in that I did both okay. so um I acted uh not in musicals because I was not a big fan of my singing voice mm -hmm. uh, but I did a lot of stage plays like I don't know if you guys know a lot of plays. Are you theater people? I mean, uh, recreationally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to be a theater person, but the way that it worked out in my high school's like schedule or whatever, I couldn't do that and swimming. So it's a huge regret of mine that I didn't get to do theater because I think I would have really enjoyed it. Mallory, so. Mallory is the physical embodiment of a battery. <laughs> like you? does not stop. Oh, okay. <laughs> the only reason that Mallory isn't doing a certain thing is because she physically cannot squeeze those seconds into the hour. <laughs> it just doesn't fit in the Google Calendar. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Tell me more uh, about your theater experience and maybe how that, like, you know, yeah. as Lane asked, like how it yeah. changed things. Yeah. I mean, acting was super exciting for me because I feel like for the first time I got to like explore like different ways to be like I feel like a lot of the time when we're young we don't have like a lot of control over like you know our lives and how we spend our time it's pretty limited we mm -hmm. like go to school we like do our hobbies and then we like 
go home, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, like, living this, like, script, kind of. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, when you're on stage or in a rehearsal, you're not, which uh-huh. is really... It was interesting. Um, I just got chills. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> that's a fascinating perspective, too, because one would think that being up on stage, like, you are literally following a script. And for that to be, like, something outside of the script that you were expected to follow in your day-to-day life, like, that's such a unique, maybe not unique, but just, like, fascinating take on that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's the thing I like about acting, too, is that it gives you a chance. Like, every time you perform a scene, you do it a little bit differently mm-hmm. uh, because it's less about, like, what's the exact delivery that I need, which is, like, how being in the closet feels sometimes. Yeah, sure. And it's a lot more, like, um, like, what am I feeling right now? So I, like, felt connected to, like, my life and my body and, like, the things that I wanted. And then I also did crew, which was mm-hmm. fun because I like woodworking. So. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so that just – and I connected with a lot of people that I never would have met that mm-hmm. I'm, like, still friends with. Yeah. And, a lot of us came out around the same time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's what I was wondering. Like, did um, did that help, like, facilitate your coming out process? Or, like, did that help, like, give language to your, you know, feelings? Or, you know, or was this, you know, something that you were already starting to voice prior to being in theater? Um, it was actually not even something that I really voiced while I was involved in theater okay. in high school. I kept it pretty close to the chest. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a town that was not very accepting of any kind of queerness. So I got this sense that that might be me and immediately was like, you keep that to yourself. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But when I went to college, uh, things opened up a little bit because I had some more autonomy. I had a really great advisor who was helping me with a poetry manuscript I was working on. Wait, are you a published poet? I am not a published poet. Uh, I'm working on it, so I'll let you know. Ooh, okay. Yeah, let us know. We'll we'll push it out on the podcast. Yeah, okay. that'd be cool. Um, my question is, are you involved with theater in any capacity now as an adult? Um, no, but I'm looking at getting involved again, actually. Um, so I have some friends who did, like, a musical review recently at Club Diversity. Ooh. And I was, like, watching them do this, and then I, I went to go see a show at the Rife Center with them, like, that same weekend, and I was like, right, I love this. Yeah! <laughs> That's awesome. So um, I'm looking into taking some improv classes at Shadowbox Live, which is Heck fun. yeah! That's uh, so cool. <laughs> so um, I'll let you guys know, and if you want to get involved in improv, like, let me know. I, I have people you You've can got talk to. Connections. <laughs> I, I was just telling Jess before we started to record that improv is something I really enjoy watching because, like, when it's good, it's really good. And I'm sitting there thinking, how did they just come up right. with that? You know, like, how did they just yes and their way into this hilarious situation? But on the flip side, it gives me so much secondhand anxiety because I'm like, I want this to go well for you so badly. <laughs> and then I'm like, come on, come on, you can do it. And then they say something I'm like, oh, thank God. Okay, we, we got we got there. You know, I'm just always worried that they're going to embarrass themselves. And then therefore, I'm You're in the audience for them. taking hits of an inhaler. Like. <laughs> right, right. I'm supposed to watch improv because it's fun and funny. It's like a relaxing thing to do mm-hmm. for the audience members. And I'm over there like walking out more stressed and high stroke. <laughs> it's so fun because, you know, you, just people's creativity, their ability to come up with stuff on the spot and then like turn it into something that, as you said, like, you know, even when you're reading something scripted, it's never the same every time. So yeah. to have something that's completely original just based around a concept. Uh, that's so cool. Maybe I'll take you up on the improv thing. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Two seconds of spare time. Right? 
Um, so let's let's talk more about like what brought you here to KYC. Uh, you said you've been vol volunteering here for about a year. What brought you here? What you know? Tell us about your role here. Yeah. So as a volunteer, I am part of a discussion group called Gender Scope. So trans identified and questioning youth can come in and talk with like other trans identified youth and some trans adults. Um, just about like what gender even is, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and I found out about KYC after a little bit of Googling, looking for like volunteer opportunities where I could support the queer community. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, I would have loved this mm -hmm. as a kid. Right. Like I just being in a room with other people that are like, like me when I had like barely ever met anybody that was like, right even outwardly queer, like, would have been life-changing. So I just really felt like I should be involved and, like, offer some perspective if I can and support young people going through the stuff that I went through. Right. Yeah. We, we've kind of talked about on uh, the podcast, like, things like Gender Scope and Ace Space and QPOC, like, all of our mm -hmm. affinity groups. But we really haven't, like, delved, I mean, a little bit with uh, QPOC when we had mm -hmm. Lucanne on. But we really haven't delved, like, super deep into, like, what it's like in there, right? But I'm just curious and like, because I've never attended a gender scope meeting either because we like to keep these affinity groups just really condensed to folks who identify within um, these individual communities mm -hmm. that the uh, affinity group serves, right? So tell us a little bit about what it's like during a meeting of gender scope. Yeah, so um, I show up a little bit before the meeting starts, so for drop-in hours. Um, and I just kind of connect with some of the youth about the stuff that they're working on. So some of them are like really into art, which is fun. They want to show off their drawings. <laughs> uh -huh. and, um, I had a conversation with a youth once about like zine making, which was super fun. <laughs> That's cool. Um, and then we gather everybody in the living room and then there's like a, like a discussion group. So typically there's like a topic that folks want to talk about. So the youth will like introduce topics. Like maybe I want to talk about like, what top surgery is like today. We've got some like adults in the room who've had top surgery and they have questions. So mm -hmm. um, we'll answer kind of questions that a youth might have about that. And if they have questions about like um, what is like that available, like that's a question for their doctors. So it's not mm -hmm. something that we can, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But I think just giving like an adult perspective on things that like young queer people and young trans people are interested in is like super valuable. Um, but it's... Um, like a like kind of a peer discussion group. Yeah. So um, if sometimes there's some venting about like um, my teacher misgenders me a lot and there's nothing I can do about it, or my aunt is mean to me or mm -hmm. something like that. And mm -hmm. it's a I don't know in in my head, right? This is one of the few safe places that a lot of youth have to like talk about that stuff and mm -hmm. be like frustrated about people who don't get what being trans is like, especially at their age, and just talk to one another so really I'm trying to like facilitate that so it's like I'm not there to like give anybody answers uh we just like talk and mm -hmm. uh it's like a nice discussion for about an hour and then the youth want to linger because they get really excited about whatever we're talking about and we have to tell them to go home <laughs> <laughs> well I just think about like you know we, we were just talking about your experience like you know with theater and then coming out and you're not that old right <laughs> 
you know, I know this is a podcast. We can't really like see how old people are, but like back when I was a young one, from <laughs> this time in your life too. And so, how what do, you're talking about? How, how does it feel to you to be like? the giver of the advice, you know what I mean? Because I'm sure in many ways, like, you're feeling like, oh, I'm still figuring things out, too. And then the fact that people are looking to you for wisdom, what is that like? That's such a funny question. (laughs) This is just what trans people do. Or, like, you've been trans for two years? Congratulations, you're a queer elder. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to the community. You've got to, like, answer, like, DMs from people that are like, oh, my God, you are so good at being trans. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, I I was freaked out at first because mm-hmm. um, I was like, these young people are like asking me questions and I don't have answers. Like, yeah. how do you make queer community happen? Like, how do you make friends? Like, what do I do about like frightening legislation? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, right. <laughs> like but, uh, I'm still trying to figure it out too. You yeah, know? but we're kind of in it together, and I feel like that solidarity is what's important. Oh, I love that. So yeah. that's really cool. I think what I didn't realize is when I started this, this is my first job right out of college. And so I very much was like, I have no idea what y'all have lived through. Like, we're not that much different in age range. Um, But I did realize, like, I've been out now for almost three years. And so in that time, I've been able to pick up on some things. Like, uh, a question that I get frequently now is, like, what do I do um, when somebody is not going to use my name or pronouns? And it's really upsetting. And I'm like, well, you have to pick your battles. And, like, that's just something that I kind of figured out through trial and error of, like, who do I put effort into who's worth the difficult conversations or who do I just ignore and give up on them? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was something that I was really excited to figure out when I first started working with the gender scope youth in particular. Because they just have a lot of those, like, kind of teenager growing up social interaction questions that are framed in a slightly different way because of their identity yeah yeah and it is a little different than like when I was in middle school or high school like they're like all on so many types of social media Oof. which like I'm still not like <laughs> <laughs> I try I um I'm also just really bad at it so um but or like just the fact that they're out right like they're able to be like I'm trans and they're like 12, 13, 14. Like, that's crazy. That is not a thing that I did. No. (laughs) It's really remarkable. And something that, like, everyone's always talking about is, like, you know, well, maybe it's just a phase or they're too young to know. Like, you have to wait until you're 18 to have gender affirming care. You know, because suddenly our brains work at 18. (laughs) First off, that's, you know, it's not like, you know, suddenly your prefrontal cortex is, you know, fully developed right then and there, right? But, you know, there's there's all of this, like, oh, well, when you're older, when you're older, you, you'll understand. But there's not enough, like, appreciation for the profound self-awareness that youth have. And, like, yeah. part of that is, like, facilitated through social media, and, like, they have the ability to see people who are, like, outside their community of folks that they see in person, which is, like, you know, while social media can have its problems, that's a really profound resource. But the fact that people are able to, like, see this thing and then recognize, oh wait, that's me. And to have that reflection, like that takes work to, mm-hmm. to have that much self-reflection. And there's not nearly enough talk that's celebrating youth for like, wow, you've figured out this thing that maybe there's so many adults who will never take that time to contemplate right. their gender identity, their sexuality, like anything about themselves like that, you know? Like it's remarkable. Yeah. And and when you say like there's people who are 12 and 13, like when I was 12 and 13, like I didn't know anything about myself. Like right. you mean either. Like, you know yourself, but... <laughs> You know, the things that I've learned since then, it's, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, 
life-changing for anyone outside of myself, you know what I mean? Absolutely. But like, you know, it's, it's, it's something that should be celebrated. And to the people who talk all the time about, you know, it's a phase, it's a phase. Like childhood is just a series of phases. You know, your kid watches like Grey's Anatomy and then wants to go to med school. Like right. that's a phase. <laughs> right. And your job as a caregiver and a parent is just to love them through their phases. Yeah. So just love your kid. And right. uh, and then everything I think will be okay enough. Right. I love that. Because yeah. like, what if it is just a phase? You know, like and you have yeah. to do the cost benefit of like maybe it's a phase and I ignore it, or maybe it's not a phase and I ignore it, right. and there's real harm done there. Yeah, because right. even if like if my parents weren't celebrating my, I don't know, American Girl phase or Blues Clues phase or whatever, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like that still makes the kid feel like their opinions aren't valued. So even yeah. if it is a fleeting thing, right? This is like super hypothetical. I'm not trying to say <laughs> that it is a fleeting thing, but like even if it is you're still like devaluing what's important to that young person at right. that yeah. time of their life, you know? Yeah. And that doesn't feel good. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, it blows my mind the kind of stuff that people will say about trans youth, because even if you do think it's a phase, if like your kid wants to play baseball and you're like, I'm going to put them through conversion therapy about it. <laughs> right, right. I don't know if that's too heavy for the podcast. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Okay. You're good. No, you're good. And I, there are things that, like, the youth will need help. Like, there's things you can't manage when you're 13, 14, 15, right? Like, really difficult, like, home issues and things like that. Like, mm -hmm. youth do need support. They just don't need support not to be trans. Right, yeah. right, right. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> so, uh, Jess, could you tell us a story or maybe even a couple stories about a memorable experience you've had while volunteering at KYC? Yeah, yeah. Um... Okay, so the first time I ever met like a like a young trans woman at KYC, um, she really wanted to tell me about like I it was like monster prom or something. <laughs> I've never heard of this. I, I, that they're like dolls, right? I think or so. Like a show? Oh, yeah, yes. like, like brats when we were yes, kids. Yes, I yeah. was gonna liken it to that. Yeah. And I was like sitting there, and this girl was telling me about like her monster prom dolls or whatever, and I was just like, "Oh my god, you're like 12, and you can do that." I don't know. That blew my mind. I was so excited. I was like, yeah, tell me about that. Right. Like, I, I How many do you have? Like, you, you at 12, you probably would have loved to own a monster doll or right. to have somebody to talk about with it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, I don't get it, like, but I can support this. Like, yes. I can. You're supporting a person's phase. Yeah. I love that. So if you had to offer some advice uh, for people who are maybe considering um, volunteering with KYC. Because now you're an elder volunteer. That's yes. right. <laughs> you're an elder. Why should people volunteer with KYC? Oh my God, just do it. It's <laughs> Sorry, that's not helpful. I'll try. Um, it's just amazing to be able to spend time with like young people and watch them grow into like really cool adults. Mm -hmm. uh, and like... Everybody deserves that. So, like, do yourself a favor. <laughs> I love that. That's so simple and so, like, exactly what I would have said, too. <laughs> I love that. Well, 
Jess, thank you so much for being a KYC volunteer first and foremost, but for taking so much time out of your day to, to sit here and talk to mm -hmm. us and share your experiences and maybe inspire some folks to go free solo climb or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> not <laughs> <towards> that. <laughs> well, if you are interested, if you've been inspired by Jess's story and you're interested in getting involved with KYC as a volunteer, visit kycohio.org slash volunteer to sign up. You'll have to fill out a quick Google form, tell us about yourself and your availability, that kind of thing. It's very simple. Um, you will have the option of signing up to help out during weekday drop-in programming like Jess does, or you can also help out during special events like other proms, summer institute, pride, things like that. Um, once you sign up, you'll schedule a time for an interview. You'll have a background check, you know, just to make sure uh, you're cool to hang out with youth. And um, we'll schedule a training session before you begin. So it takes a little bit of time, but I would say it's absolutely worth it, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you have any suggestions for future topics or if you have any questions you'd like to uh, like us to address during future episodes, send an email to mallory at kycohio.org. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend so they can be part of the conversation too. You can follow us on all social media platforms at kycohio. And if you've liked what you've heard so far, visit kycohio.org slash donate. You can make a one-time donation or join our Unity Circle. Your contributions will help KYC, KYC continue to serve, oh, so many letters, <laughs> LGBTQIA plus youth um, through programming, community-based wellness, and behavioral health supports, or through general educational tools like trainings and this podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Jess, and we look forward to, you know, having you around for the next year and beyond. Yeah, right? thanks for having me. I'll see you guys at Drop It. Awesome. <laughs>